0: Hello and welcome back to the Type Theory Commute. I'm Aaron Stump and we are talking right now about subtyping for applications in functional programming. And today I want to talk about semantics of subtyping. And this is something that uh, listener Dan Rose brought uh, asked me on email and we talked a little bit on the Telegram group as well about this stuff. So um, thanks a lot, Dan, for a great question. And it was definitely a great question because it sparked me to have to go try to learn a little more about it as well. And so I have some information for you, listeners, about semantics of subtyping, and I want to talk about two different forms of subtyping, two with you know, sort of two different semantic ideas behind subtyping, and uh, these ideas are coming from and this way of describing them is coming from a paper. Actually, there's a whole line of papers from Zhao Hui Luo, who um, listeners of the podcast interested in type theory are you know well recommended to check out Hui Luo's um, papers and research. He's a great type theorist. And he's done so many um, awesome things and it's you know been influential. I think I'm probably among experts more than just kind of more broadly programming language theorists or something. But in any event, um, he has some papers on what he calls coercive subtyping and um, there's a particular paper I forgot the exact title coercive subtyping something or other Um, and I'll try to put remember to put a link in the uh, show notes here for this and in this paper he uh, talks about this idea of coercive subtyping and contrasts it to something he calls subsumptive subtyping and so I'm going to follow his terminology which I think is um, you know well deserves to be a standard terminology and I'll explain what coercive versus subsumptive subtyping is, and these are you know questions of semantics. So this fits in with the question Dan had asked. So, um, uh, I guess I'll start with coercive subtyping. So coercive subtyping, and actually it was great to be studying this myself because I, it helped me understand that's the kind of subtyping I am interested in. Is coercive subtyping? And with coercive subtyping, the idea is that the um, the language or probably the user of the, the language, you know, we're thinking about, in Luo's case, he's talking about type theories, but really, you know, any language that includes some kind of typed lambda calculus um, would be just fine. So it could be a programming language. It doesn't have to be a terminating language. It doesn't have to have dependent types, any of that stuff. Um, although certainly a bunch of interesting issues will come up with some of these these further wrinkles, but anyway, with course of subtyping, let's think think of it as the user specifies some subtypings that the that the user wants the compiler to um, automatically apply. And so you know you might I mean the classic and to me not very interesting examples are the numeric ones. So things like um, you know int subtype of real or something like that, or int subtype of float. Um, now int subtype of float from a computer science perspective, is actually a pretty good one to talk about because um, we have, you know, if for low-level numeric representations, and I personally am a little rusty about this, but, um, you know, ints and floats, I guess, are represented differently at the bit level, typically, on hardware. And so even though, you know, conceptually, integers are, you know, like a subset could be viewed as a subset of the reels. But even there, depending how, you know, in analysis, depending how you had constructed the reels, integers might not literally be a subset of the reels. But there's definitely sort of embeddable, right? So there is a function, and you know, in computer science setting, there's a function you can take that would convert the low-level bit representation of an integer to a float. Um, you know, I don't know if, I mean maybe that's in hardware, or if not, it's easily, you know, implemented in software to change these representations. So in coercive subtyping you not only specify that you know subtype this type A is a subtype of type B you also specify a coercion function that will turn A's into B's. And this um, and the idea is that what you what you're hoping for and this is why I realized this is what I want for my application I want the compiler to insert those coercions for me everywhere in my code where they are needed to make the code type correct. You know, so I have some operation on floats, like say I have some trigonometric function or something on floats, and I call it with an int, I want the compiler to just implicitly silently insert for me the coercion that turns the int into the float before I then go and call the trigonometric function. I just don't want to be bothered as a programmer with writing these piddly little functions that do sort of obvious stuff. and what you might ask is the formal definition of PIDly. Well, um, he, he, Leo, Leo does not use this terminology, but um, he requires that if you have a subtype, if, you, if you're telling the language, okay, A is a subtype of B, and there's a coercion C that witnesses this, and in fact, his subtyping judgments look like this, A, subtype of B, with coercion C. So there's kind of three ingredients to a subtyping statement. The two types, and then the coercion. Well, in those setup, he demands completely correctly and reasonably that if you're going to have this kind of subtyping between A and B, you can't have it with two different coercions. They have to be the same coercion because, I mean, it makes sense, right? You're asking the compiler to automatically insert a function call for you, but if you haven't told it, if you said, well, it could be this or it could be that function that you should insert. I and mean, that's that's what's the compiler supposed to do with that? That's not going to work, right? So you need to have given a unique coercion. And there's also, if you have a set of these coercion, then the set needs to be designed so that again, there's only um anytime a subtyping relationship is derivable from a set of such subtyping coercion, then um you know if you have two Um, subtyping statements A subtype of B that are both derivable with, you know, coercions C1 and C2, that could only happen if C1 and C2 are actually the same or equal. You know, I mean, we have, there's some questions, you know, you have to deal with things like um, if you compose coercions, right? So if I have three coercions and I compose them in different orders, well, function composition is associative. So we would be totally fine. We should be fine with the idea that I could derive um, so a subtyping judgment two different ways. So I'd, ha- in theory, have different coercions, but the coercions are actually equal because of, say, associativity of composition. Um, so anyway, but so that's the idea of coercive subtyping. The, the user or, you know, whoever, maybe it's the language creator, maybe it's the user, but somehow the language itself accommodates, you know, sets of subtyping coercions, I, lo- I think I'd like to call them, which are you know a specification so type A is a subtype of B with coercion C. And the whole goal of this is that the, the programmer who wants to program using um, this set of coercions in the background, they don't wanna write down calls to these coercions. They want the compiler to put them in automatically. And that is exactly, exactly what I personally am interested in. And I'm actually in the middle of implementing and implementation is going pretty well. There's just places where they're irritating little functions There's just really no need for a programmer to be putting them in by hand. It makes the code a lot lighter not to have to sprinkle these everywhere. And if you don't, if you're kind of like, oh, what's the big deal about dropping a little function here, a little function there? Well, first of all, you could say, if you adopt the Haskell mindset, they're like, why write two characters when one would do? I'm looking at you, dollar sign infix application operator, Uh, a higher, low associative, low precedence application operator. Anyway, If you adopt this mentality of like try not to write anything extra that you don't need to write, that's a great design principle for helping try to keep your your programs concise. And so that just that alone says is a is is a serious reason to consider doing this. But also, if you look at for example, if you have a bunch of do notation, like and you in Haskell and you de-sugar it all, I mean you you know things can get pretty messy if you have to be fully explicit about every last little thing that's going on. Um, apparently, I was reading about monad transformers a little more, and um, apparently if you use the monad transformer library, it allides, it's it it's got some clever type classes in place that help you not have to write lifting functions. Like a monad transformer stack, you have like a bunch of different monadic effects that you're trying to, to put together. And the way this is done is that you basically can use monadic actions um, in one part of the stack could be lifted to another part of the stack, and in sort of the the most painful way, you actually have to explicitly write lift functions, and that's that's such a hassle. And um, apparently, the MTL library has some clever ways of helping you not have to do that very much, which is great. Um, but the point is of this the digression is just to say that um, people know that you want to avoid writing lots of little piddly functions everywhere because otherwise your code can get painful. Okay. So that's coercive subtyping. And Luo, in talking about this explicitly says it's an abbreviation mechanism. The goal is just not to have to write so much annoying stuff. Um, So what's subsumptive subtyping? Subsumptive subtyping is based on really a pretty different idea, which is that Um, that subtypes are supposed to represent more or less some kind of subset relationship on the semantics of the types involved. So when we write int, um, let's think more mathematically, let's say we're thinking int subtype of real, what we're thinking is that the meaning of int is a subset of the meaning of real. And what's the meaning of int? Well, one classic answer is to say it's the set of integers. It's the set of things that have that type, or the set of values that have that type. Um, you know, so there's we can, there's some pr- presumably important nuances to consider there about um, whether we're thinking about arbitrary expressions, and in a programming language, some of those expressions might not might diverge, and so they would only have a denotation in some domain theoretic model that includes meanings for diverging expressions. Um, But anyway, so sort of more straightforwardly, it's like, let's just talk about the set of values of that type. And so in subtype of real would mean the integers are a subset of the reals. Uh, Very appealing. Very appealing. Makes a lot of sense. Um, And uh, Luo in this paper actually objects to this notion, which sort of feels like objecting to water or something. (laughs) Um, But... Uh, but he ha- offers some reasons why um, in church style type theory, that's going to be a problem. And I think I'll, I won't go into that right now. Um, but anyway, that's, that is type, subtyping. We think about meanings of types and we ask whether one meaning is a subset of another meaning. And, um, you can, I have some vague recollections that you can make this quite a bit fancier if you want to, you know, you don't have to have strictly a set theoretic semantics. You could have some other semantics that has some meaning associated to one. And you want to have some relationship between the meaning of the first type and the meaning of the second type. So, you know, but the basic, you know, bread and butter mindset would be, um, I interpret types as sets of the values and subtyping between two types holds if the sets are in the subset relationship and i was because i'm kind of surprised to find because i've been interested in um curry style um or extrinsic type theory for a long time and i totally believe that's the right way to go for type theory generally um and yet subsumptive subtyping is actually not what i'm looking for because well we do wanna have coercion functions. Like sometimes these subtypings that we are interested in, we re- don't literally have that the set of values of the first type is this is a subset of the set of values of the other. We write, might really need to apply a function to change those values. And that this is really handy. I mean, so the coercive subtyping mindset accommodates subsumption in the sense that yes, if, one, if A really, if this meaning of A really is a subset of meaning of B, then that's fine. Then it's like the identity function would be the coercion. You don't need to change the representation. You need to change the data at all. Um, but on the other hand, of course, if subtyping is more flexible, in my opinion, because it, you could have a function that needs to change the representation. Um, you know, I'm not interested in, in subtype of float, as I've mentioned earlier. I'm interested in things like, um, like for monad M, MMM, M of M of A is a subtype of M of A. Now, it's probably semantically totally not true. Like, if you think about it, subsumptive subtyping, that's probably not true at all. But coercive subtyping, we just want to use the join function of the monad to coerce M of M of A to M of A. And if we could do that automatically, there's just that much less annoying little stuff we'd have to write in our code. Okay, so um, that's what I have to say about semantics of subtyping for the moment. My impression is that there's um, a lot more about this. In the 90s, people got invested huge amounts of theoretical ink into studying subtyping because everybody thought it was going to be so important for object oriented programming, which was considered, you know, a big thing then. Do people still like OO? I I really don't. (laughs) I have problems with OO. And um, so a lot of that stuff I think is, is targeted towards, I mean, I mean, a bunch of it's theoretical results that would be applicable to any application, but you know, they were sort of heading for OO with this stuff. And yeah that's personally not what I'm interested in. Anyway, thanks for listening. Um, jump in on the telegram, join the telegram group. If you want to chat a little bit, I'm there to talk, answer questions. I'll give you a friendly welcome if you join and, um, you know, shoot me an email if you want. Otherwise, thank you for listening and hope you're well, wherever you are.